1: Hey everybody and welcome back to the internal medicine for vet Text podcast. I hope everybody is doing well and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I am your host. I am Jordan Porter joined by the fabulous Yvonne Brandenburg. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Apparently I am in sports today.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> We're
1: going for like a hockey-esque theme right now. <laughs> is, that, is that what it
0: is? It's a little too yeah. warm for hockey, although... I guess, I guess, I mean, it's warm, too warm to play hockey outside, but it'd be nice to go into an ice skating rink. Yeah. And Jordan's like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. No, It was
1: like, it was like a little chilly when I uh, got up this morning. And, um, mm-hmm. so like, I was like bundled in a hoodie and stuff like that, but then like, obviously like it quickly gets like 80 degrees. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like,
0: yeah, um, it's, um, it's been it's been like it's been like 80 this week um so i don't know i guess that's doable for me
1: i was telling uh my husband i was like man i was like this is like this is this right now like right where we are is like my favorite time of all seasons like
0: Mm. uh is like
1: just that barely in between spring and summer where it's like it's still real like it's still really warm outside but then you still get that nice like kind of cool off yeah and and like the brisk evenings and like this is my absolute favorite time of year right now like just for pretty much like mid-may to mid-june and like that's it like i mean like Mm. i love like summer obviously but like this is like prime time this is where i'm sitting on my front porch all the time um (laughs) Dude, I took the kids to Tennessee. Um oh, cuz nice. yeah, they're uh they're going to travel around and see family uh for the next like 2 weeks or whatever, 3 weeks. Nice. Um are they out of school? Yeah, their their last day of school was last Wednesday.
0: That's crazy to me. Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so then we drove to Tennessee on Thursday. We took those goats to my parents and stuff like that. And oh, I took the great. back way cuz I was like was like it's a holiday weekend i want to take the back way and um i was like with the goats and everything i just wanted to like be able to like go nice and easy yeah and the goats the goats did phenomenal i was like this is amazing this is great yeah um but uh we like went all through the great like smoky mountains and stuff like that and like the scenery was like amazing like it was so freaking pretty that i was calling matt and i was like we gotta move i was like we gotta move (laughs) to north georgia or tennessee again (laughs) oh my god that's so funny (laughs) and um so my dad found a waterfall like a hiking trail though like 15 20 minutes from his house so we went and did that on saturday i gotta show you some pictures because like this waterfall was like phenomenal like it was it was so pretty and it was so big and like how long the, have your
0: parents been there now uh
1: it'll be a year in august
0: oh wow that's crazy
1: yeah i know and it didn't take long for them to catch up to us because what they have like 18 chickens and now five goats <laughs> <laughs> they're like uh, okay <laughs> and Like when i was there my mom was like i want you to build me the same pond you built you and i was like okay so i built her a pond so then of course she's like well now i need ducks and i was like
0: <laughs> oh my god that's so funny
1: yeah so, but yeah, I gotta I gotta show you some of those pictures because it was a beautiful, it was so pretty. Like it was mm. so pretty. Trying to get Bailey to leave was like pulling teeth. I was like, <laughs> I was like, as much as I appreciate your wanting to be like in nature right
0: now, I was like, let's go. I'm hungry. <laughs> like right. Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh yeah, we um because this is we're recording Memorial Day weekend. Um, apparently up here in Grants Pass, Oregon, there's this huge thing called Boatnik on the river. It's like a celebrate, like it was like four days of craziness and we didn't really know anything about it. And we were driving through town and, uh, it was, it was a little intense. I think the entire town was downtown this weekend um there was insane amount of traffic I was like what are we back in the San Francisco Bay Area like what is going on it was so funny um but yeah it was like all this weekend and we didn't plan to go so um we just kind of drove through everything and saw like all the stuff but Mm -hmm. dang it was huge um so maybe next year we'll we'll actually check it out but
1: yeah it's crazy. I I was very jealous of my parents' property. Like, they had, like, a bunch of, like, little farmer's markets and stuff, too, like, on the side of the road and stuff, mm, like, on the cute. Way. But uh, they have, like, I've never been jealous of someone having weeds in their yard, but they had a bunch of dandelions in their yard. So, mm. like, I've been doing, you know, my hippie stuff. Like, I'm on my hippie adventure right now. And so, like, I, did some, re- I did some research and I made dandelion honey. Oh. And it's so good. And like the health benefits of it, like per Google, I mean it's like you know take it with a grain of salt, right? Like it could be healthy, it could not be. Who knows? But true, um, who knows what? (laughs) But like I was so jealous because like it was so it was so easy to make this honey, and it tastes just like honey, which like it shouldn't be that shocking, right? Like they're dandelions, like of course bees, like (laughs) you know, use their pollen and stuff too, but like how simple it was to make and how like good it tastes and so like I was I was so impressed with myself I was like (laughs) look at me I was like I just picked these flowers off the ground and made honey out of it oh my god that's so funny they had like a bunch of like raspberry bushes and stuff too which like I'm again like I'm just like my mom like doesn't appreciate that kind of stuff because we
0: have there's blackberries everywhere on my property like it is insane and i'm just oh, like i'm so jealous I it's mean, like i want
1: to i picked i picked so many raspberries and i was like i could make so much jam and like...
0: <laughs> i know oh. I, they haven't started blooming yet because everything's i think because we're a little bit higher elevation things are definitely delayed compared to even like oh, in yeah. downtown which is like 10 minutes away um but we're dude, like the blue the blossoms right now like the flowers. Mm-hmm. it's crazy the flowers on our property right now and I'm like yeah. what is that like every day I'm like there's a new little flower and we have baby turkeys oh baby yeah so the, it's really cute we'll see mom like walking around and there's these teeny, tiny little baby turkeys and it's hilarious to watch them and the cats think it's super fun and they'll run between the windows watching everybody
1: that's so cool like i just i really just love like nature like i just mm-hmm. can- oh and then i learned about a generational gap between me and bailey <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> um another like it was, like, one
0: great <laughs> yeah
1: it was so like we drove past a willow tree and she's like look at that willow tree it's so pretty it's my and then you tree. say like, willow <laughs> no so like <laughs> sorry uh so I was like yeah those are my favorite trees I love them so much like Pocahontas just like really drew like drove that home for me on like loving a willow tree she's like Pocahontas she's like that's a Harry Potter tree and I was like what are you talking about kid I was like this is pocahontas is the willow tree and she's like no it's harry potter
0: and i was like harry potter whomping willow yeah
1: i was like generational gaps i was like for me it's pocahontas and for her it's harry potter and for me (laughs) it's
0: willow the movie
1: willow the movie
0: another generational gap right (laughs) (laughs) i'm like what's willow the movie oh my willow it's just called willow and it's oh god what's it about magic and it's got a little person it's the same little person who plays um most of the characters in harry potter um he he played r2d2 like he's like super famous little person but he plays the main character and he has magic and it's so funny because at one point in the movie they go willow so another ge- generation that. <laughs> I go that movie you say Pocahontas your daughter says Harry Potter So there. yeah and I know about all three of them so right yeah <laughs> I know this is a Teddy uh-huh. Ruxpin moment right now <laughs> <laughs> it
1: really is you know it's funny anyways like moments- but
0: there is a follow-up to Willow right now that there's that just got put on Netflix I think oh really Netflix or Amazon Prime, one of those. I don't know.
1: I was trying to just simply explain to Bailey about how Netflix used to be, we would just rent DVDs. <laughs> right. She's
0: like, What's a DVD?
1: Yeah, she pretty much lied. <laughs> oh, <was. no. laughs> and I was like, Child, like you did grow up with DVDs. And she's like, I don't remember. She's like, Blu
0: ray. And I was like, Those aren't the same things. It's, not the same, but like, it's, it's similar enough that I'd give her credit for that one.
1: Yeah. But I was like, Yeah, it wasn't like a live like streaming on your TV. It was like you had to like, order movies and like it was a big thing it was a big deal
0: <laughs> and here's another generational gap did you ever go to blockbuster to get VHS oh yeah types?
1: i love blockbuster man i miss yeah. blockbuster yeah It's a cool Friday night thing to do. You're
0: like, what what are we going to watch? I don't know. We got to go early so we can get the best (laughs) picks.
1: Yeah, I'd always try to talk my dad into going like right when I got home from school. It's like if we waited (laughs) until like seven, there was never any good movies. And I was like, oh. Yeah,
0: but was it DVD or was it VHS? VHS. Oh, it was still. All right. Yeah, I definitely still have VHS. We're only like 10 years apart. I know, but we just like the willow thing. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> and Teddy I'm sorry. And- <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint on this. <laughs>
1: Dude, we also drove past like a cabbage patch like kids plant thing. It was like very clearly abandoned, but I was like, dude, cabbage patch kids? And Bailey's like, like I had the one of those plant? Clothes, like,
0: like where uh, they made them? Yeah. And it was like branded still cabbage patch kids? Yeah.
1: It so said the what did it say? Wow. The cabbage patch like Patch or something like that. It was like, oh my god, that's so crazy! Yeah, um,
0: it was. I like, just found my um Cabbage Patch Kids birth certificate. I <laughs> didn't <laughs> I know they like, came with- uh, Yeah, they. I parent- I didn't realize this either. But my mom, I was like cleaning out some boxes, and my mom's like, "This box is yours." And I was going through. First of all, it was hilarious the stuff that I found in that box because I was like, "Oh my god, this is like from when I was like eight years old." There was like this riddle a day. J- like oh god the dad jokes and I was like yeah the dad jokes um yeah and I found like all sorts of really random stuff and like some of it I just like tossed out but some of it was like things that I wanted to keep so there's like a book that I like I don't know it's like one of the golden books from when I was a kid and it was like you know the you and you and me is it the the you and me series
1: uh Uh, yeah they're
0: like i don't think they're hedgehogs but they're like are they squirrels i don't remember yeah i don't remember what they're but anyways i found that one from when i was a kid i was very excited about it it's little things in life but yeah found my cabbage patch birth certificate i have no idea where the cabbage patch is but the birth certificate i have
1: (laughs) so weird oh man Classic toys were the best though all right all right
0: we we should probably (laughs) we should actually talk what we meant to talk about
1: (laughs) we should get off of memory lane here
0: (laughs) you guys are just i know you guys just love when we do random things
1: you know i know you know it triggers everybody else though to be like oh man like i was trying to tell bailey about how i used to go to pokemon tournaments at toys r us when i was a kid (laughs) oh my
0: gosh yeah i remember those i didn't go because i was too old but
1: yeah. She was like, wait, Nana and Papi would just like drop you off by herself. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So. What are we talking right. about today? This week we are talking about NSAID toxicities, oh, toxicosis nice. in dogs and cats, because it's super common. Uh, it is. Probably one of the most common toxins that the poison control hotlines probably get, <laughs> if I had to guess. Really?
0: Wow.
1: Well, I read a study that, like, just in one year, like, usually, like, pet, I think it was, like, ASPCA or something, like, accounts for, like, over 400 of their talks
0: cases in a month just being. In a accounts. month? You know what's crazy about that mm-hmm. is not everybody calls them for that. Yeah. So. It
1: was. Jeez. Um, oh, 4,000 calls each year just for. Yeah. So it's 4,000.
0: But, but that's about 400 a month
1: yeah right (laughs) wow dude it it's yeah i mean it's super common so it's and it's like it's one of those things too right like it it can happen by pet parents giving it to their dogs or the dogs are just like this looks yummy uh it happens because the flavored ones (laughs) yep so it happens in cats too as well as ferrets but i do not go into details about ferrets (laughs)
0: that's crazy i mean i guess so they eat everything right (laughs) Yeah.
1: But before we get into the bulk of the episode, we do have um, a webinar coming up on June 10th. I am talking blood transfusions. So Saturday, June 10th, we are going to make that free for everybody just because we slacked off so much for uh, pretty much since February. And um, (laughs) so just keep an eye out for that. We'll, we'll post it on Facebook and things like that as well. Um, So anyway, so NSAIDs is a class of drugs, right? So non-steroidal, anti-inflammatory. Uh, and it's very commonly used in human in the human world as well as in the veterinary world. And acute ingestion is very, very common. So we can see it. Uh, some of the most common ones that we see on the human side is ingestions of uh, naproxen, aspirin, ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Um, acetaminophen is a different drug but like, we'll talk about like, it's, it's still an NSAID, um, <clears throat> but, and then there's a lot of prescription veterinary NSAIDs too, right? So like we, yeah. and we can see that as we can see toxicosis, even when it was prescribed, but a lot of the the NSAIDs available in veterinary medicine are highly palatable and chewable. And so <laughs> dogs do tend to really want to get into them. Um, and so we can see uh, NSAID toxicosis as well it was like with carprofen or a COXIB, things like that. Uh, but I will say it's probably well. I don't know. I wonder if it's like a good half and half mixture because like my own dogs have chewed up bottles of like carprofen and stuff, and I'm oh, like, oh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I wonder if it's like pretty like half and half of dogs like getting a hold of it and humans giving it. I don't. Uh. Like a 60 40. It's got to like not be I, too far.
0: I <laughs> like, really? See, I think it would be more that they like get into it and eat it.
1: I mean, I bet you, I, I bet know. you mm. that number is trending upwards and humans administering it is trending downwards just as like the internet gets like bigger yeah, and you can maybe. find all that information yeah. on the internet. But it'd be interesting to see like, you know, 10 years ago, right? Like mm-hmm. the amount of cases that they would have gotten for this. Uh, yeah. I did learn quite a bit though. So NSAID toxicosis though, can it can affect multiple different systems. I think oftentimes we really think of like the GI issues that we can encounter um, as kind of like the one main thing, but of course it can have some effects on blood flow and hemostasis and stuff like that as well. So what NSAIDs are those? They inhibit prostaglandin synthesis. So, and then What that means is it decreases prostaglandin, which is important for homeostatic function. And so what prostaglandin does is help maintain renal blood flow and just help maintain mucus production in the stomach and things like that. So it it helps protect the body, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is what prostaglandin is for. So then NSAIDs inhibit that. Um, And so we can see signs of NSAID toxicosis that affect the GI tract, kidneys, central nervous system, uh, and even platelets and things as well. There are certain breeds of dogs, like German Shepherds and cats, that do seem to be much more sensitive to NSAIDs. And those guys do need to be treated more aggressively than a standard, like, terrier who probably gets into some right. bottle of NSAIDs. You're like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like those iron, like, they have an iron stomach to a point.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But in cats in particular, what we do see is we see more often that they are going to develop a severe acute kidney injury. So AKI, uh, and that is more, that's seen more commonly in cats at lower dosages of NSAID ingestion versus dogs tend to be able to tolerate higher doses, um, comparatively to size, like we'll talk about doses here in in a minute, but, um, Cats need much less in order for it to affect them. And, and like I said, it goes straight for the kidneys so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus dogs tend to show signs more on the GI side. So uh, yeah. oftentimes we're going to see more GI ulceration in dogs than we are going to see in cats. And so we'll talk about more yeah. clinical science in a little bit, but, uh, secondarily AK, AKI or acute kidney injury, um, does occur in dogs, but like I said, they're, they're more apt to get that GI issue first. Um, <clears throat> the main thing that makes NSAID toxicosis super difficult is that each NSAID has a different toxic dose, uh, different margin of safety, different half life, different route of excretion. And so contacting an animal poison control line, should definitely be on the list of things to do when dealing with this just because there's so many variables here. So an example is like we can see GI signs in dogs with ibuprofen ingestion as low as 16 to 50 milligrams per kig, while we can see severe GI signs between 50 and 100 milligrams per kig, And that's a that's huge a range, lot. right? So it's like wow. 16 milligrams per kg is technically a, a, a toxic dose and then so is 100 milligrams per kg like so it's a wide range and then we can even see renal uh issues develop around 100 to 250 mgs per kg resulting in potential acute kidney injury so not for sure but definitely there but then we have definitely seen um fatal ingestions at doses greater than 300 mgs per kg
0: yeah. And I think now that I'm thinking about this, like when you said that it is owners giving it, I, I guess in my brain, I was thinking veterinary insights and not mm-hmm. the human ones. But yes, I think I could see where that would be, where those toxicities come from for sure is owners yeah. giving ibuprofen or Advil or Motrin or one of those that's not a veterinary specific one because they're like, it's an anti-inflammatory. Why wouldn't it be a problem? But
1: yeah. yeah so that and makes it, and sense. And
0: in that's in, in that.
1: And way. it's crazy. Cause like ibuprofen, right? So we have a range of 16 mg per kg all the way up to greater than 300 mg per kg being toxic to fatal. Right. But then we throw in a different type of NSAID like naproxen. Um, and we can see clinical signs that doses as low as five mg per kg with that. So it really does depend on the type of NSAID that the pet gets a hold of. So as we kind of talked about in uh, last week's episode with the rat bait and stuff like that, we really need to be sure that like pet parents are aware of what was given uh, or what medication if they have
0: a a picture of the packaging and things like that. And I really hope people, Never mind. of course they do. I was like, I really hope people don't give diproxin, but yeah, they a hundred percent would oh absolutely i mean
1: like the amount of clients who are like thankfully it's just usually gabapentin but they're like i had gabapentin at home and i went ahead and gave it it was 300 milligrams i'm like your little multi-poo is gonna be knocked out (laughs) (laughs) you're
0: like well they'll be out for a little while it should be okay
1: (laughs) okay so let's talk about ways that uh each different way that an NSAID can affect the body system, right? So first we're going to talk about GI just because that's what we kind of think about when we think about NSAID toxicity, because it is more commonly dogs than cats. But again, we already kind of talked about how uh, prostaglandins are needed to help promote mucus production, to help, help maintain the normal perfusion of the stomach intestines and help protection. Right? So, um, when we use NSAIDs, there's COX inhibitation that leads to fewer prostaglandins. And then of course, that decreases the amount of mucosal protection. And therefore we run the risk of GI ulceration, right? So we don't have that mucus production. So we get a lot of that stomach acid really just eating away because that mucus isn't there to protect it. So <clears throat> this really occurs heavily in the stomach and the duodenum. So we... It should be recommended if a pet has a history of GI ulcers that like, we try to steer clear of NSAIDs, of course. Um, We also know too that there are some mild side effects from ADSEN administration. So we can see common symptoms like decreased appetite, vomiting, or diarrhea. It's when we start seeing significant signs of vomiting, diarrhea, melanoma. Uh, we can see that coffee ground vomit that Mm. is kind of classic for that GI ulceration. Mm -hmm. And so this can tell us that there's significant GI losses occurring as well, because like, then we're running into dehydration and things like that as well. Um, if we get too far, right, there's bleeding in the stomach, right. Because of the ulcerations bleeding, then that can lead to further hemorrhaging, um, or further bleeding, which can then lead to usually a regenerative anemia. Uh, we can usually see protein loss with that as well. So we have hypoproteinemia, because again, blood loss, right? So uh, we can see these kind of things associated with just the GI component of NSAIDs and how that affects the GI tract. Um, now, when we start developing acute kidney injury, this is usually occurring when there's higher doses ingested or it occurs in patients with pre-existing volume depletion, right? So <laughs> we need to be cautious when using these drugs. They're not they're not benign. So, um when there's renal hyperperfusion, the GFI gosh, I hope uh, people <laughs> or GFR, I'm sorry, it, the GFR is reduced. Do people remember what GFR is because we talked about that <laughs> forever ago. So that's the glomerular filtration rate. And so that rate gets reduced. And then, of course, remember, we have prostaglandins that are being affected. So uh, the prostaglandins, though, that do get produced, then induce vasodilation. Um, And then what we'll see there is just kind of the increased volume depletion throughout the kidneys. So we're really uh, limiting the protective mechanism that the kidney has on board. by decreasing this filtration rate and it it can drop to very dangerous levels right like if if the kidneys aren't functioning properly then of course the kidneys start to malfunction and we start to cause some damage including nephrotoxicity um and they we can even see papillary necrosis um and interstitial nephritis it's
0: but just wait wait, there's more (laughs) but wait there's more yeah
1: So then we have a hematological component too, right? So as we know, so we can have the COX inhibition that will impair the thromboxane production. So (laughs) Uh 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 what that does is that typically will activate platelets. So when we have NSAID intoxication with that COX inhibition of that thromboxane production, then we lose... The platelet's ability to do their job, which is sticking, right? Like in and being a band-aid. So uh we know that aspirin in the past has been used specifically for that purse, that purpose, right? Like to kind of thin the blood and make it so things don't stick together. So um luckily the good thing is is like aspirin is usually the main inhibitor here. Um and it it's pretty. It can cause irreversible damage to the life of the platelet, but the life of platelets is only about one week, so (laughs) we can fix it, usually. Then we kind of roll into, like, the hematological component is a a bit scary, but it's not we work in general just,
0: medicine so we're like it's not that bad
1: <laughs> yeah it's just like and it's like I don't want to say that because it's like it it can be but oh it's yeah just for
0: sure we're just kind of used to that stuff
1: I know so. I know it's story time um my husband's aunt called me because like his her dog got diagnosed with low platelets and so she mm. was like hey I want your opinion and I was like, all right, well, the platelets are eighty six thousand. I was like, that's not horrible. I was like, I do see why they're like concerned about low platelets. I was like, but in my world, that's not, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You're
0: you're I'm like, like you you're get okay. below fifty thousand, you got spontaneous bleeding.
1: Yeah, so I was educating her on all that, and like, I, the blood work, and I told her, I was like, the blood work looks like your dog might have, like, something internally wrong that caused like a spontaneous bleed because there was like a good regeneration but it was like a good regenerative anemia and so it was like mild anemia mildly low platelets but a lot of reticulocytes and so hmm. then she had a, and she was like my main question is should i move forward with the ultrasound and i was like yes absolutely and there's a liver mass that probably spontaneously bled and oh. like so the dog's like 19, 18 somewhere 17 wow somewhere dang yeah. all right well
0: that's pretty freaking good
1: yeah so anyway on the on the topic of the liver so NSAIDs can also cause liver injury as well um although it does seem to be pretty uncommon which blows my mind because it's like (laughs) when we have pets on NSAIDs and we do check routine blood work like we're supposed to we're typically looking at the liver function and the kidney function uh sometimes we can see liver reaction, even with appropriate uh, doses. and that's pretty common in labradors with carprofen. But the potential for hepatotoxicity is generally going to be more pronounced if there's like a pre-existing liver disease already in place. So but it it is relatively uncommon compared to like the GI issues and the kidney issues. But then we can also get into some CNS issues, so central nervous ish- issues. And so we can see things like depression, seizures, ataxia, and sometimes, well, in people actually, it usually means that, uh, like with insect toxicity, they're also seeing aseptic meningitis. What? I don't know why I didn't investigate it. Cause it's human related. That <laughs> that <is laughs> crazy. Was like, yeah.
0: So you're getting an inflammation in your brain from an anti-inflammatory. That's crazy.
1: We kind of already talked about some clinical signs that we can see. And so the, the most common things we can see with toxicosis specifically is going to be things like anorexia, vomiting, uh, hematemesis, diarrhea, melana, of course, right? So black tarry stools. We can see abdominal pain as well, especially the more significant a potential GI ulcer gets. We can see lethargy as well, um, uremic Halitosis can be noted as well. So that's the uremic smell that we uh, can smell on pet's breath. It's, we, I think of cats every time I think of that smell. Um, And then of course, significant dehydration. And then as the, as we get more kind of severe clinical signs of antitoxicosis, we can see other signs again, that kind of include the CNS. So we can see incoordination, we can see an increase or decrease in drinking and urinating, Uh, which is always fun. Sometimes we can see both, right? We can see an increase at first and then we can see a complete decrease at the end
0: uh, with
1: the potential of pets going anuric, which is horrible. Uh, We can see some jaundice. Uh, We can see pale mucous membranes, especially if there's significant bleeding, tremors, seizures, coma. Uh, It can get pretty bad for these guys if given significant doses especially like those repeat doses. Right. Because again, everything Oof. has like a different half, half life. And I've seen that where that's pet, yeah. like dogs specifically, the pet parent doesn't recognize that this is an issue and then they give five days worth of ibuprofen. And
0: yeah, uh. I, yeah, we had a dog come in. God, he was young too. He was like less than three years old and he was super jaundiced Like the most jaundiced I've ever seen a patient. And it was because they had been given chronic, I don't even remember if it was ibuprofen or something like that. And we were like, oh, we ended up euthanizing that dog, which sucked because it was so bad and they felt horrible. And I was like, I'm so sorry.
1: I know. And it's like, you know, it's like the people don't mean poorly, right? Like they don't mean to do it. Like they're, they are trying to help their pets. And it's like
0: they recognize their animals are painful and they think they're doing the right thing. And it's like, oh,
1: oh, exactly. Like, exactly. Because it's like my parents are the type of parents, too, who would just kind of like do that without actually like looking online. Like they a thousand percent would like if it wasn't for me being in their lives, (laughs) they would like just wing it
0: right Uh, they're like
1: oh it's fine and so it's like they mean well so it's like i do feel bad for all those pet parents who have to go through this because like they they clearly feel horrible Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um they because it's over the counter why is it why is it toxic and they had the best of intentions so it does suck like it's just so it's like again i'm gonna throw my tip of the week in now whenever you have (laughs) one of these cases be gentle with the pet parents because they're just as scared they feel bad they feel like it's their fault
0: the guilt yeah
1: you know, so it's like we got to be gentle. Humans do make mistakes. Not everybody knows to look on the internet, and like again, it, also the internet is very conflicting.
0: Oh yeah.
1: So it doesn't take much for you to see in one spot that ibuprofen is toxic, and then see in another spot that it's fine. It's just so. Yeah. You know, it's just it's. I mean, it is
0: if you give a tiny, tiny, tiny dose, which is subtherapeutic and not going to really do anything.
1: I know, but even a tiny dose, like yeah, only sixteen mgs per kig is like, yeah,
0: depends on the size of the dog. Yeah, it's
1: so not worth it. No, it's not. So just be kind to these pet parents because they are scared. And um, diagnostics that we're generally doing on these guys, depending on the severity of when they came in and like if they're prior to showing clinical signs, we're we're likely just gonna do blood work, um. Sometimes we'll do x-rays and abdominal ultrasound if there's concern for like a leaky ulcer or Mm. internal bleeding or anything like that. But generally, most often, we're just going to be checking that basic blood work and checking our red blood cell uh, hematocrit and things like that, kidney function, liver function. But the treatment is usually going to be decontamination if pets haven't started exhibiting signs if it, and generally this is within like two to four hours so if yeah. a, if a person knows that their dog got into a bottle of Rimadyl or something right then um and they're like it probably happened within the last 30 minutes to three hours right so it's like you have mm-hmm. a time frame we can try to start uh, decontamination But um, so what that entails, as most of us know, is usually trying to induce vomiting. And this is usually with things like apomorphine, dexmodetomidine, or xylenzine works for cats.
0: Um, (laughs) Works in quotes. (laughs) Because cats don't vomit unless you don't want them to.
1: And we're going to try to make these guys vomit as long as there's no, like, neurological impairment. We're not going to do this on a comatose patient, (laughs) so... Again, the, the goal is prior to significant clinical signs. Um, after a pet has vomited, then typically we try to give activated charcoal just to try to help, again, protect against absorption. Usually multiple doses are given just to make sure that we're catching that like hepatic recirculation. Um And then after decontamination, we're getting these guys on IV fluids really to just diurese them. And we're doing this usually with crystalloids typically. Um, And then, right, we want to treat the clinical signs too. So we're going to do like gastroprotectant medications as well as some H2 receptor antagonists and proton pump inhibitors, like all the GI internal medicine drugs that we're constantly pushing. (laughs) Um, Synthetic prostaglandin analogs, So things like mesoprostol, because again, remember like that inhibits prostaglandin. And then in some cases, right, we know that we can see significant anemia. So sometimes we're giving uh, blood transfusions, usually whole blood or packed. Well, usually hopefully packed red blood cells, but if whole blood is needed, uh, that can be helpful as well. And then there is a risk in these patients with like significant GI signs. I, I kind of touched on it. Right. But sometimes we can have leaky ulcers or ulcers that can perforate and that can lead to septicemia, right. Or peritonitis. Um, so in those cases where we suspect that there might be a perforated ulcer then sometimes an exploratory surgery is done as well as starting antimicrobials just to again kind of clean up everything oh that sucks so bad Mm mm-hmm I did learn some things, though, that there has been, uh, they're looking at other routes of managing NSAID toxicity. So we kind of talked about it a little bit last week about intravenous lipids, Mm -hmm. uh, lipid therapy. And so it is the most widely accepted, like, use for lipid therapy. Uh, because what it does is it creates like a lipid sink within the intravascular space. And then the compounds can be like, kind of like secluded there uh, and help reduce toxicity. There's also like just hemodialysis, which is unlikely to be effective just as like a, a one singular treatment, just because NSAIDs are very protein bound. And so they don't diffuse well with just traditional hemodialysis. Um, there's also, this is like above my pay grade. I've never done this, but this was like (laughs) just some of the research that I've done that like, there are certain methods where you can like do a dialysis circuit, but with like, you can apply a cartridge, a charcoal cartridge to it to help filter out any of the toxins. Um, and so that removes that highly protein and lipid soluble drugs and then um <clears throat> so this has been like this has been done in dogs it's crazy and then too there is plasmapheresis or plasma exchange so that's where again where we separate the plasma from the cellular components of the blood and then the substances that are like stuck to the proteins in the plasma are like removed and then the patient's replaced with donor plasma Um, or synthetic colloids which is crazy so that's been used a lot in human medicine like it makes sense in human medicine because i just feel like that's just something that people are hooked up to it's just like these machines that (laughs) separate their blood um but it does seem it has been done successfully in dogs as well
0: i mean that makes it makes sense it's just medicine's amazing so many places don't have it right like
1: oh yeah and like can you imagine how expensive that is (laughs) yeah like especially if you had like a great dane that needed like just tons of plasma
0: sounds horrible it'd be like an (laughs)
1: expensive bottle of ibuprofen or whatever was ingested
0: seriously
1: yeah. so client communication though with this it's just in trying to inform pet parents before this happens right like it that there are unsafe drugs to give our pets um and to that again even the veterinary prescribed ones are highly palatable so please put those in a place that they might not be reached
0: what? seriously you're like please, um, please don't have this in, in plain view of everybody
1: but the quicker the quicker action is taken for these guys, the better cats included, uh, especially with the, that kidney function and stuff um <clears throat> I already said my tip of the week was just being kind to these clients, please like they, they are scared, they're upset, they feel bad. but
0: yeah, what we're here for exactly. <laughs> we're here to provide patient care as well as client care right yeah they can't just we, we can't do one without the other as much as sometimes we wish we could um but yeah
1: so that's my NSAID toxicity talk for the for the week um I hope everybody learned something I know I did because like I said the plasma transfusion thing like, like it makes complete sense it's just like yeah, I wonder how long that takes in a dog.
0: I think it's um, when I talk, cause I know someone who does this, I want to say it's the same. It's like, it, well, it depends on what they're doing, but I think it's like a three to eight hour depending on um, what they're doing. If it's doing for toxicity, I think it's different than um, kidney found yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> or like for immune mediated diseases. Cause I know they do that too. Um, but yeah, it's super interesting. I, I think it'd be really cool. If, you know, figuring out to how to do it.
1: It'd be cool to figure out like a more financially friendly way to do it with clients, you know, like, especially if it's like very mm-hmm. effective, right. And like what's best for the dog so all right guys well thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning i hope everybody has a fantastic week i hope everybody goes outside and learns or like enjoys nature (laughs) like yvonne and i have recently um and we will
0: chat with you guys next week all right well have a good week guys keep getting your